0: Good Tuesday, and thank you for joining us here on the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In the show today, Taylor Charlstrom will be recapping some of the many issues discussed between California Citrus Mutual Board members, Congress, and USDA during their recent trip to Washington, D.C. And I'll look at regional and national agricultural news beginning with regional ag news right after this word from our sponsor.
1: Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bees pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior Bees. Superior Pollination.
0: Less than a year after Governor Gavin Newsom issued an executive order targeted at relieving supply chain congestion, the pandemic included backlog of cargo shifts at the state's port is rapidly fading. With a focus turning to long-term supply chain improvements, the California State Transportation Agency has issued final guidelines and call for projects for the unprecedented $1.2 billion in one-time state funding for port and freight infrastructure projects to build a more efficient, sustainable, and resilient goods movement system. California's ports are critical to exporting and importing goods both abroad and throughout the United States, according to Governor Newsom. He says after decades of neglect, they are finally making the critical investments needed to modernize ports ports, helping them to keep up with demand in a way that is environmentally sustainable and brings the distribution process into the 21st century. Finalized in a state budget at the end of June, the Port and Freight Infrastructure Program aims to make long-term upgrades that will increase the capacity to move goods throughout the state while lessening environmental impacts on neighboring communities. 70% of the program funding will go to projects that support goods and movement through the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, the busiest ports in a western hemisphere and 30% will fund ports and goods movement infrastructure in the rest of the state. Port and freight infrastructure program is a direct result of the executive order that Governor Newsom issued last October that called on state agencies to develop longer-term budget proposals that support port operations and goods movement. The program builds off these successful short-term actions by the state to address supply chain congestion. Project applications are due by January 13th of 2023. Funding awards will be announced in March of 2023. For more information, log on to the California State Transportation Agency website. Wilbur Ellis Agribusiness, a leader in precision agriculture, crop protection, seed, and nutritional products, has announced a registration of preventative biofungicide Romeo CA for use in California. By introducing plants to non-living fungus, Romeo CA enables plants to generate pathogen-fighting compounds that prevent disease development. Applied to plant leaves, Romeo CA stimulates pathogenic fungal attacks and executes internal defense responses, according to Jason Ellsworth, Wilbur Ellis Organic Portfolio Manager. Whereas most fungicides have direct activity on the pathogen to prevent disease growth or kill it, Romeo CA triggers the plant's own self-defense mechanism. Romeo CA is a foundational disease management product for both conventional and organic tree fruit, tree nut, vine, and vegetable cropping systems. Romeo CA is distributed in California exclusively by Wilbur LS. The biofungicide offers regional growers a unique way to control powdery mildew and downy mildew in almonds, grapes, and leafy greens, as well as brown rot blossom blight in almonds. The University of California Davis has announced that philanthropists Linda and Stuart Resnick, co-owners of the wonderful company, have pledged the largest gift ever to the university by individual donors. The $50 million pledge will support the school's longstanding commitment to address the most pressing challenges in agriculture and environmental sustainability today. The $50 million gift announced at a news conference at the Center for the Performing Arts recently will establish the Linda and Stuart Resnick Center for Agricultural Innovation with $10 million of Resnick's gift to be directed towards annual competitive research grants through the Resnick Agricultural Innovation Research Fund. Their donation also supports UC Davis's $2 billion fundraising campaign called Expect Greater from UC Davis for the World. It is the university's largest fundraising campaign to date. The California persimmon season has started in a very small way. They've had really, really warm weather, and warm weather slows down the development of the orange-yellow color, so they've been delayed by at least seven days, according to Aaron Galarte of Fresh Farms. He notes that the crop was slightly down from last year, but that it is a good crop generally. They've had a warm spell, so they lost a few persimmons, but overall, there are going to be plenty of nice persimmons this year, he says. Typically, the California season begins around this time, and picking and packing should go into either the first or second week of December. At the same time, he anticipates strong demand for this specialty fruit item this season. Persimmons are a really good-tasting piece of fruit. As more people buy them and experience how good they are, they see demand increasing every year and adds that while the industry often sells persimmons in either clamshells or bags, there will also be plenty of loose persimmons available. The acreage of California persimmons is slightly on the rise as well. Persimmons aren't necessarily the main stage produce crop. It is more of a specialty items so store sales are much more limited than say a grape or strawberry he says so the acreage is increasing but very slowly because a big increase would increase the supply that the industry would not be able to fulfill they're in a good spot right now with pretty good acreage and good supply as for pricing it will be stronger this year given that production costs are up on persimmons like virtually every other commodity
1: soil and crop incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559-564-1236 Or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you.
2: Earlier this month, California Citrus Mutual directors Matt Fisher, Jared Plumley, Keith Watkins, Zach Lafitte, and Julia Enestroza traveled to Washington, D.C. for meetings with USDA and Congress about some of the citrus industry's biggest priorities— including funding for HLB prevention activities and the upcoming 2023 Farm Bill. The group was accompanied by CCM President Casey Creamer and Senior Director of Federal Affairs Alyssa Halby. Creamer believes it's important to have the most direct members of the California industry present at these meetings to achieve the best representation.
3: We like to bring our board back with us to provide, you know, that on the ground feedback and the faces of the organization and, and, you know, real people, you know, not just, you know, hired hired staff. And so we try to do that at least annually. And we haven't been able to do that since 2019. So uh, the last time uh, our executive committee or members of our board went back was November of 2019. Um, staff went back uh, March of 2020, and then the world just closed, or maybe it's February 2020. And, uh, you know, we've been back uh, five times since the pandemic and, and really watched Washington, D.C. change drastically. And this is the first time that, that board members have been back, and we were really close to back to normal. It, it, so, from a board member's perspective, they probably didn't see much change except for some of the protocols going into the buildings. Um, but uh, it, it was nice to for what see Washington D.C. Uh, a little bit back to normal and to be able to once again fully bring our our team out there and and uh, help us work uh, the issues that are important to the industry.
2: Among specific issues discussed, Senate Bill 4661 includes $1.5 million to establish a citrus breeding research program, quote unquote, focused on developing and evaluating citrus rootstock and scion materials in areas where citrus is grown. The intent of this funding is to expand the existing ARS breeding program in Florida to the ARS research program in Parlier, California. California Citrus Mutual worked closely with Senator Alexi Padilla to secure this funding and received support from Congressman Valadeo and Congressman Costa on the House side. There's
3: um, a a need to have USDA ARS, uh, uh, a facility that helps with breeding uh, in California for California climatic conditions and, and California varieties. Obviously, we're were predominantly uh, a fresh market. Um, There was already a national citrus breeding program. Um, And so, but that program, it was only housed in Florida and that breeding was only happening in Florida. And so uh, we just thought it was appropriate that uh, we extend that out to California and working with uh, Citrus Research Board, identifying what was needed and then working with uh, both on the uh, on the uh, con- in Congress both in the Senate and in the House um, what it would take to get a bill across the finish line. And so we've been Alyssa in particular has been working that uh, very hard and and we're very optimistic that uh, when the budget is finally approved, uh, hopefully in December, that that national program will truly be a national program.
2: While in D.C., the CCM delegation met with Rep. Kevin McCarthy, Rep. Julia Brownlee, and Rep. Jimmy Panetta and staff from the House Agricultural Committee and the Senate Agriculture Appropriations Committee about the importance of these programs and to ensure that they are maintained in the final Fiscal Year 23 budget. Creamer said the representatives took these needs seriously and understood the importance of the budget.
3: We, we've got some great partners uh, both in the, the House and the Senate to understand the, the pest and disease issues that the citrus industry across the country is facing, the severity that we're seeing in Florida and the proximity that it is you know, to commercial groves. And so we've got a lot of really good bipartisan support uh, and some some really good uh, uh, captains that are helping see this through. And so um, you, you can never... Uh, take for granted anything. Uh, So that's why we continue to work and continue to educate. There's always new staff that are coming in. And and so you're constantly uh, working to educate and to update on the effectiveness of the program. So yeah, very good support in both the House and the Senate for the needs of the citrus industry.
2: The citrus industry also benefits from the Farm Bill, which is reauthorized by Congress every five years, The 2013 Farm Bill included for the first time $25 million per year for HLB research projects. The 2018 Farm Bill maintained this funding and established the Emergency Citrus Disease Research and Development Trust Fund, or the Citrus Trust Fund.
3: We've been working that for quite some time. Uh, We were back in July with our partners in Texas and Florida, pushing that issue, meeting with uh, a congressman. G.T. Thompson, uh, who's the ranking member of the House Ag Committee, and as, as well as, as others. Um, so, strong support there as well. Uh, also working with our partners in the fresh produce industry. Uh, International Fresh Produce Association had their Washington conference at the same time. And we have uh, Special Crop Farm Bill Alliance and making sure that... Uh, uh, that Farm Bill funding is included in those recommendations, which it will when those finally come out. Then also working on uh, other issues that we have from trade to other research needs of the specialty crop industry uh, to competitiveness. Uh, it, competitiveness is a, uh, a growing issue within the industry as we're continuing to see imports uh, coming in, uh, as we're continuing to see uh, prices increase or costs in- increase. Uh, for, for growers and that uh, competitiveness between imports and domestic is is becoming a major, major challenge and specific regions within the United States are having even more difficult challenges. So the Alliance is beating, discussing all those things and trying to come up with proposals that will help uh, move the ball forward and uh, to try to remedy uh, some, of situa- some of the situations that growers are facing with competitiveness.
2: The Citrus Mutual staff and board members are optimistic that these major funding opportunities for the California citrus industry will be realized. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Chalstrom.
1: There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycotera, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water-holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10%, and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit FICOTERRA.com to learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with FICOTERRA.
0: The next Congress could be rough for the 2023 Farm Bill as the American Farm Bureau Federation takes a proactive strategy in laying out its priorities. AFBF President Zippy Duvall sees a heavy lift for the next Farm Bill. 2023
1: may present a bigger uh, challenge than ever uh, that we've ever seen. We have fewer members of Congress that represent rural uh, districts along with a huge class of new members come to Congress. So it's going to be, it be our job to be able to inform them how you can help their constituents, regardless of whether they're in rural parts of the country or the urban parts of the country.
0: With the AFBF chief stressing a unified food and farm bill against past efforts by urban members to peel off nutrition programs, risking votes for farm safety net programs. AFBF stressed those amid disasters, the pandemic, soaring input costs, and Russia's war in Ukraine. High on the list, commodity and conservation programs and crop insurance. AFBF's Andrew Wamsley on protecting crop insurance from means testing, premium cost share cuts, and required protection practices.
1: We think there's concerns on uh, adding too, adi- too, too many additional requirements to crop insurance that could undermine the program.
0: AFBF wants a lower cap on CRPA acreage with more emphasis on working lands to meet global food needs while setting rental rates to a percentage of average county rates.
4: The 18 farm bill made
3: some adjustments adjustments on the county rental rates. We supported that. USDA kind of worked around that in a fairly creative way this last go round. But at the end of the day, when it comes to CRP, it definitely needs to stay targeted on those lands that are considered marginal.
0: Walmsley says the latest NRCS numbers show about a quarter of CRP acreage is considered prime farm ground. Other AFBF priorities include continuing PLC and ARC with annual re-election options, increasing Title I reference prices and loan rates, retaining dairy, margin coverage, and prioritizing equip, Trade, ag research, and rural development, including biofuels, broadband, and local market expansion, are also high on AFBF's 23 Farm Bill priority list. The consumer price index rose 0.4% in September on a seasonally adjusted basis, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. The food index increased 0.8% in September, the same increase as August. The food at home index rose 0.7% in September as all six major grocery store food group indexes increased. The index for fruits and vegetables rose 1.6%, while the index for cereals and bakery products rose 0.9%. The index for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs rose 0.4%, while the index for non-alcoholic beverages increased 0.6% in September. The dairy index rose 0.3% in September, the same increase as the previous month. The food away from home index also rose 0.9% in September as it did in August. The food at home index rose 13% over the last 12 months and the index for food away from home rose 8.5% over the last year. The Department of Agriculture is seeking public comment on how it should implement Section 22007 of the Inflation Reduction Act. The provision aims to assist the nation's farmers, ranchers, and forest landowners who have experienced discrimination in USDA's farm lending programs. This section directs USDA to provide financial assistance to producers who have experienced discrimination in USDA's farm lending programs and has appropriated $2.2 billion for this purpose. The 30-day comment period opens today and closes on November 14th. USA's latest forecast on the nation's rice exports is approaching levels not seen in over 30 years. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain.
4: The October domestic balance sheet for rice notes some minor changes per USDA's latest outlook. This is World Agricultural Outlook Board Chair Mark Jekinowski. Information we got from NASA suggests yields a little bit higher than we had been expecting, up 29 pounds per acre. Pretty small change, but NASA's starting to really true up that data to the final estimate. Yet perhaps the big story within the U.S. rice supply and demand estimate. We cut our U.S. rice export forecast by 2 million hundred weight. Due to tightening domestic supplies at relatively high prices, resulting in lower global demand. If the 75 million hundredweight export total for rice this marketing year holds true. That would be the lowest total annual U.S. rice exports since 1991-92. The season-ending average price remains unchanged from last month at $19.40 per hundredweight. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
0: As USA is asking how the department should allocate $2.2 billion in new financial support to farmers who faced discrimination in the past, a group of black farmers have filed their own class action lawsuit against the federal government over the repeal of last year's USDA loan debt relief program. At least one class action lawsuit has been filed by black farmers on behalf of socially disadvantaged farmers as defined under the American Rescue Plan. John Boyd Jr., president of the National Black Farmers Association, is leading a lawsuit filed recently in a U.S. Court of Federal Claims. The lawsuit states that plaintiffs and other socially disadvantaged farmers were told their federal debts would be paid, but the U.S. government broke its promise and breached its contractual obligations, according to the lawsuit. USDA had sent socially disadvantaged producers letters informing them of the department's plans to pay the debts before multiple federal lawsuits led by white farmers led to an injunction blocking USDA from taking action. The lawsuits eventually led Congress to repeal Section 1005 of the American Rescue Plan Act that included the debt forgiveness provision for socially disadvantaged farmers. The initial debt relief was revoked as part of the Inflation Reduction Act establishing the new debt relief provisions.
1: Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission, supporting the industry with on farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.
5: The California Citrus Mutual Marketing Committee released its first estimate of the season recently for the naval orange crop. While it is expected to be about 10% larger than the 2021-22 season, it's still lower than two years ago. Casey Creamer, president and CEO of California Citrus Mutual, said they were expecting more of a rebound, but that doesn't appear to have occurred. Citrus Mutual's estimate also differs from the California Agricultural Statistics Services, which forecasts a 19% larger California naval crop this year compared to last year. The Cass estimate puts the 2022-23 naval crop at about 76 million 40-pound cartons statewide. About 73 million of those cartons come from the Central Valley. Most of the state's citrus goes to the fresh market rather than into processing for orange juice.
3: Our group meets monthly. We review lots of things and and talk about how the crop is progressing. Early on, there was a lot of talk about the crop being, you know, up because last year was was significantly down uh, for both mandarins and, and navels and then the cas estimates came out and and uh, again i think the committee looked at the cas estimates and thought that they were too high we had a similar reaction to last year's cas estimate and we said it was going to be the marketing committee came out and said it's going to be below Uh, those estimates and sure enough it did it was well below those estimates more in line with what the marketing committee was, was was looking at and so the the cast estimates are informative but they also you know really it's the boots on the ground looking at the crop and usually comes out with the the better estimate so last year being a very low crop because of the year be- before being uh, a really heavy crop and, and progressing late into the year, we're, we're rebounding. So the cast estimate says it's about 19% up, but that's off of a historic low. So we're about 10% above uh, on the navels of what the last year's crop was, uh, which is still below uh, an average. So that's, that's kind of what we're seeing. We, we thought we'd get some, some record rebounds off of the, the uh, low year last year, but we're, we're seeing actually below average.
5: Spurred by recent warm weather, Creamer said the navel crop is sugaring up nicely and is ahead of schedule. Those same temperatures may have delayed fruit color slightly. Cooler weather promotes natural chemical reactions within the peel, changing the summertime green color to bright orange. The early September heat wave also may have caused a bit of fruit sunburn, but he said consumers won't see that blemished fruit. It's all sorted out in the packing house, But it could affect utilized citrus figures, which are the amount that is sold fresh.
4: The
3: reports that we're getting is that the sugar levels are excellent. So the sugar levels were ahead and a big reason for that was the the extremely warm weather that we had for a few weeks. And so the sugars progressed uh, very well. We were waiting to start this season uh, based upon color. And so we finally, I I did get reports here earlier this week that uh, some people have started, started picking. So color is getting, getting there and, and ready to go. So I think we're excited about the year. The heat did have uh, an impact on this year's crop, some sunburn out there in the industry and so uh, that's something that uh, will probably push the the utilized cartons down slightly as we move forward. It's not going to impact the consumer market at all because the packing houses will remove that fruit out from the Uh, what what gets to the customer. But what we've got is is really sweet tasting, high quality citrus this year.
5: Mutual's marketing committee pegs the 2022-23 Mandarin crop at about 30% above last season. But Creamer said it's still off from the record crop of two years ago. This season is expected to start in November. Typically in the off-season, imports fill grocery shelf space. But this year, importers face some of the same transportation challenges as U.S. exporters. So he said the imported fruit supply is down, and the market is ripe for new crop California mandarins.
3: Last year was a really, really odd year when it comes to mandarins. We had a a lot of blocks that were significantly significantly off and that's because of the record crop from two years ago so we had a lot of trees that the manners are just hanging there stressing the trees for the for the following crop year and so there was some really light crop year last year for for most of the industry and so the 30 percent is actually below two years prior so we had a a really big crop Two years prior, it's 30% below that, which is gets us into more of the I think average below average range on on crops. So we're not expecting an oversupply. We're not expecting uh, undersupply. It's, Probably a pretty good Mandarin season, and the, the sizing and quality is really good on that right now as well. I think we're looking at early November, so yeah, we're excited about that. There's, there's been less imports this last year due to all the transportation issues that, that everybody has had. We've had issues with exports, and the same thing with imports, a bit down slightly. So there's, there's a, a gap in the market that uh, we can't wait to fill.
5: Like most producers in California's Central Valley, citrus growers struggled this year with water availability. Creamer said the situations differ depending on the location and surface and groundwater availability. While he said he's concerned about the situation, it's not a sky is falling picture either.
3: The water situation is... is serious. I'll say that across the board, it's very serious. You've got, depending on where you are, the challenges are very different. If you've got access to surface water and you were in the class one Fryant division, you got 30% allocation that was improved from where you thought you were going to be at the beginning of the year. You probably squeaked by and did just fine. You didn't have a surface water allocation and depending where you are you might not have been able to pump as much groundwater as you needed some significant impacts there as well other areas that uh, you see in the groundwater table drop even if you had surface water depending on the timing and where citrus is sometimes it's not a deep groundwater reservoir to tap into and so some people are impacted there as well so it's it's serious. We've got implementation of the Sustainable Groundwater Management Act. The rules are being put into place. That's pumping restrictions, added costs, wells going dry or barely barely working. You name it. It's a it's a challenge out there. But our group is a resilient group. Find ways to make it make it work. Got a lot invested in these trees and in in their industry, and so we're. I don't want to say we're in a good spot. Uh, I don't want to also say that you know the sky is falling either. But uh, we're just hoping and praying that this next year is a much better water year. We need we need the wet year to not only have an ad- adequate water supply, but to recharge the groundwater reservoirs that are that are depleted.
5: Although drip and micro-irrigation have been touted for their water-saving traits, Creamer said that is only part of the story. Decades ago, when citrus growers and other producers flood-irrigated their orchards and fields, water that wasn't used by the plants soaked into the soil and replenished groundwater supplies. The newer technologies have changed those water system dynamics.
3: The citrus industry has been uh, utilizing drip irrigation and pioneers in that for a a long time. But I'm gonna put a little caveat in that, and, and I'm and not necessarily talking about the citrus industry because I think it's in a lot of areas that we're in, uh, drip is the right uh, approach uh, with, you know, up on the foothills where you don't necessarily have the groundwater reservoirs. The implementation of drip irrigation across the valley and the more permanent plantings that have resulted because of that, and especially here in the south, in the south part of the, of the valley, it's a misnomer that that was saving water because the excess water that was being applied was the, the source for recharge. And that was happening all over the valley. When wet years, in dry years you fallowed, and wet years you were recharging the groundwater basin. That doesn't happen as much anymore uh, because of all the focus on you know, water efficiency. And so we've got to do a better job as a state of understanding the big picture and, and really this water savings from drip irrigation is not all that it's cracked up to be, in my opinion, in many parts of the state. So we're doing our, our part. You know, we've, we've been around for a long time. It's smart for the citrus industry to be on drip, but as a statewide strategy, you really got to look at things more comprehensively.
5: On top of water availability, Creamer said the state's citrus producers also are grappling with inflation, which has increased their costs. In the past 10 years, the cost to grow and ship California citrus has more than doubled. Since 2020 alone, grower costs have increased over $1,000 per acre.
3: I mean, there's, there's only one way, and that's to pass on the increases to consumers. I mean, so it's not something we take lightly. I mean, growers are pretty darn efficient. They're always looking for ways to, to cut costs and, and save money. It's a, It gives you an advantage over somebody else if you can keep the cost down. So, you know, we're smart business people. We're doing everything we can to be nimble and efficient. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, I mean, you, you can't stay in business if you can't cover your costs. And so that leads to, you know, there's, there's always pressure from retailers to do the same thing to keep costs down. But you, you just can't survive if you don't pass on those costs. And so costs have got to, got to rise. I mean, it, it, it ebbs and flows a little bit with the, the size of the crop. But we've, we've done a lot in the industry over the last couple of years to really keep track of the trends as far as costs so that we can communicate that to, to retailers and, and consumers because it's important for, for consumers that we stay in business. And so we've, we've got to do more in that space to work together to reduce costs. And so it's, it's not this one, one side versus the other. You know, uh, consumers need to know that a vast majority of the food and healthy food comes from California. And when we pass rules and regulations that add costs, when we pass, have water restrictions, labor issues, at the end of the day, over time, those costs come right back to the general public. And so we've got to do a better job of like working together to find common solutions and not just, you know, hey, put it on big bad business or it doesn't impact me. It does impact the general consumer.
5: As the California summer fruit season nears the end, consumers will be able to switch to California citrus without missing a beat. And it's nice to hear that the recent warm weather Ashley has made for sweeter oranges. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life.
1: Do you know the nutrient-use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California.
0: Our MyAgLife platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the MyAgLife Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening.